Well, good morning. I'm glad you're here and welcome. Have you ever seen a helium balloon when you first get it? Man, it's the only thing keeping it is the ceiling. It is, it is up against that thing. But you go to bed for a night, maybe another day. You get up the next morning, where's the balloon? It's on the floor. Just kind of being there. Why? What changed? Helium leaked, right? And, and what gave that thing its life to put it up against the ceiling, now it's laying there kind of limp on the floor. You know, life, that can be a picture of our lives. Man, life's going great. We're up against the ceiling. And then one way or another, for various reasons, relationships, friendships, coworkers, family, they begin to leak. And all of a sudden, where we're on the ceiling, we're, we're on the floor. What do we do when our relational losses mount? When relationships begin to leak from our lives? We're going to talk about that this morning. So if you've got a Bible, if you'd open it to Genesis 35 and 36. Um, we'll wrestle, read the, that passage. We'll go through that passage and and, and wrestle with that question of where can we go when, when relationships begin to leak? Where can we go when relationships begin to leak from our lives? Well, as we pick up this account, remember that God created Genesis 1 to 11, humanity pushed back. God said, I'm going to show myself. And he went into covenant with a guy named Abraham, kind of a happy pagan, worshiping the moon god. Abraham and his wife Sarah, it took them 24 years, but they had a son. His name was Isaac, and God said, I'm going to make, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to multiply you, and it's going to be through your family. And so it, Isaac then had a uh, wife named Rebecca, and they had two sons, Jacob and Esau. Jacob was the younger son, and God chose to work through Jacob, but Jacob's had all kinds of character issues. He's deceptive, and when he gets in trouble, he falls back in deception, and so God has been working in circumstances. And he has brought Jacob through that. And, 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 and in fact, he's changed his name, and, um, indicative of a character change. But, but we'll find out that though Jacob is very much in, in the middle of God's will, it doesn't insulate him from loss. And so it starts this way. In verse, chapter 35, verse 1, it says, Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and live there, and make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. Now, this happened 30 years before. earlier. Jacob had deceived Esau out of something that was a, a very special experience, his father's blessing. And Esau had vowed, I'm going to kill him. And so Jacob thought it would be a good time to leave. And so he left. He went from southern Iraq back to modern-day Israel, met his uncle Laban, found a very deceptive man, but came back with two wives and two concubines. And, and now he's come back. Um, things are good. With Esau, it's been resolved, but Jacob's uh, daughter was, was raped, and in um, chapter 34, several of his sons took revenge, and, and so that is what is going on immediately with Jacob, and, and so his, his household is in a bit of flux. So he said, I'm in verse 2, said to his household, and all who were with them, put away the foreign gods which are among you, and purify yourselves, and char change your garments. And let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. 
So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods which they had had and the rings which they were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak which was near Shechem. Now why would these family members hold on to foreign gods? Yet they believe in Almighty God, but they're, they're counting on this God for fertility and this God for crops and this God for rain. And so they're looking for life outside of God Almighty. Now, you and I are far more sophisticated. We don't bow down to idols, but we can look for life in a lot of other places. We can look for life in our friend, our girlfriend, our job. Hey, I, didn't, I don't know if you guys know, the Huskers start next week. We can look for life in the Huskers. Frost warning, don't you know? It's second year. Nothing wrong with any of that. Huskers, friends, family, job, nothing wrong with that until... We make it a source of life above God. Maybe we need to jettison idols. So, so Jacob is taking his family back to a place to get right with God. But as I mentioned, uh, the brothers had, had basically committed genocide. In taking revenge for the rape of their sister, they wiped out a whole nation of men. And in Genesis 34, verse 30, Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, these were the perpetrators, you have brought trouble on me by making me odious among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites, and my men being few in number, they will gather together against me and attack me, and I will be destroyed, I and my household. Hey, fellas, we're not very many. We're 12 sons and a daughter. There, there are people who have been multiplied for generations here, and we're looking really bad. And they may come after us. And so they're going to caravan the 12, Jacob and his 12 sons to this place called Bethel, and wouldn't that be a great place for an ambush? But that doesn't happen because in verse 5 it says this, and they journeyed. As they journeyed, there was a great terror among the cities which were around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. God put a terror on these people. He put his hand on them. Don't, don't come after them. People didn't understand it, but they, okay, we won't. God protecting Jacob. He is right in the middle of God's will, and he is calling his family to revival, and God is protecting him. So Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan. He and all the people who were with him, he built an altar there, and they called the place El Bethel, because their God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. It's a, it's a special place. 30 years ago, his life was on the line, and God met him. So he's going back to that place, and there's going to be a revival. You think, man, Jacob is, he is in lockstep with God. What could go wrong? I mean, if you're right with God, doesn't that insulate us? Here we go. Verse 8. Now, Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, remember that's Jacob's mother's nurse, died. And she was buried below Bethel under the oak. It was named Alan Makuth. First relational loss. This nurse probably raised Jacob. And she dies. Andy, wait, 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 Andy, wait, 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 wait a minute. Remember, they just met with God, and God's protected them, and God's favored them, and yeah, that's how it goes sometimes. In the middle of God's will, Jacob suffers a personal loss, a death of a loved one. That doesn't mean God's done. No, no, far from it. Verse 9, then God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padaram, and he blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. Thus he called him Israel. 
And in chapter 34, we read about Jacob wrestling with God. And, and, and God said, I'm changing your name because I'm changing your character. Israel means God strives or he strives with God. Jacob, no longer are you going to re- rely on deception. But you're going to rely on me to fight for you. And God did a work in the heart of Jacob. And that's, that's where God works on our inside. He works on our character. Some of us deal with insecurity. Some of us deal with pride. Some of us deal with greed. And and all those things are significant of we want to find life apart from God. We want to make it happen apart from God's ways. And God says, I want to do a work on your heart. Does God have access to your heart? Because he wants to grow you and he wants to grow me from the inside out so we reflect the character of Christ. And then... Daniel mentioned this. We, we've been talking about the promises of God, and here we go again in verse 11 and 12. God giving Jacob his promise. He says, God also said to him, I am an almighty God. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come forth from you, and kings shall come forth from you. The land which I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give it to you, and I will give you the land to your descendants after you. Jacob, I'm going to favor you. You're in the line. You're part of the family. Abraham's your granddaddy. Isaac's your dad. And I promise through this line, I'm going to bring a whole nation of which I'm going to make myself known. And in fact, Jacob had 12 sons. And we know one of those sons was Judah. And that will be the line of King David and the line of Jesus. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a great nation, Jacob. You're only 12 sons and one daughter right now. But I'm going to multiply that thing. And so, again, I cannot emphasize, Jacob is in the center of God's will. So it says this, uh, verse 13, Then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken with him. Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone. He poured out a drink offering on it, and he also poured oil on it. So Jacob named the place where God had spoken with him Bethel. Do you get the recurring theme? God is with Jacob, and Jacob is right where he needs to be. And God said, you are on track. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply you. Man, life is good, right? Second loss. Here we go. Verse 16. Then they journeyed from Bethel, and there was still some distance to go to Epaphra. Rachel began to give birth, and she suffered severe labor. When she was in severe labor, the midwife said to her, do not fear, for now you have another son came about as her soul was departing, for she died, that she named him Benanoi, but his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Epaphras, that is Bethlehem. Jacob set up a pillar over her grave, that is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. Then Israel journeyed on and pitched a tent beyond the Tower of Eder. So many of you remember Jacob went back to his home country, and he met Uncle Laban, and he fell in love with Rachel immediately. He served his Uncle Laban seven years, and the night of his wedding, did the old switcheroo, and he woke up and found out he'd married Leah. So I said, you can have Rachel's wife, but I need another seven years. And so Rachel, he, he married Rachel right there, but he served another seven years for her. Then he served six more to build up um, a portfolio for his kids, and he came back to Israel. But Rachel was the wife he loved. And for years, Rachel was barren. Jacob had children with Leah, and so Rachel got jealous, and so she gave Jacob her, her servant, Bilhah, and, and she, 
Jacob had children with her, and then Leah saw that, and she got jealous, so she gave her servant Zilpah. I mean, Jacob was a busy guy. He had a lot of... And all this time, he's cranking out children, but he can't have a child with Rachel. And finally, he has a child named Joseph by Rachel, and we will hear more about Joseph in a few weeks. Now, here's a second child with the woman he loved. And she dies. Oh, man, I, I, didn't we determine that, that, I mean, Jacob is good with God, and God is good with Jacob, and Jacob, God's going to bless Jacob, and God's changed Jacob's character. And, and Yeah. But losses happen. Even in the midst of being right with God. That's not enough. Of the third loss, verse 22. It came about while Israel was dwelling in the land that Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard of it. So the, the first woman with whom Jacob had a child was, was Leah. And that first child's name born was, was Reuben. So then Rachel gets jealous and says, here, have my servant Bilhah, and then Leah gets jealous and have my servant Zilpah, and then finally there's a child with Rachel. But, but what happens is Jacob's firstborn, Reuben, takes up with Rachel's servant, Bilhah. You think that's a problem in the family? You say, Andy, I, I, Andy I, I come from a dysfunctional family. My family's really dysfunctional. I think Jacob's gotten you beat. I got two sons. I'll bet Jacob feels for his sons like I feel for mine. And if you have sons, you feel for yours. And his oldest son takes up with one of his concubines. You don't think that strains that relationship? Third boss. We're not done. We're not done. Verse 23 to 26 uh, is the list of the sons, and I'll let you read that on your own. I want to start in verse 27. Jacob came to his father Isaac at Mamre of Kiribarabah, that is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had sojourned. Now, the days of Isaac were 180 years. He lived a long time. Isaac, Isaac breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people, an old man of ripe age, and his son Esau and Jacob buried him. Fourth loss. What's the deal? He's been in the hand of God, the blessing, and and yet it happens. The question is, Jacob is leaking relationships. Where does he go? Where does he find stability? Where does he find life? Here's what I'd suggest to you. He finds life in the presence and the promises of God. Man, there are times where stuff is going to go on in our lives and we're losing and we don't get it and how come and when. What do we got? Here's what we have. We have the present, presence and promises of God. 
Daniel mentioned that earlier, that that we've focused a lot on the the promises of God, and and we will close with a song titled, Yes and Amen. And it's a reference to 2 Corinthians 1.20. We've been singing it throughout this series, and it's the promises of God, and in Jesus, they are yes. Just like Jacob was family, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you're in line, and you you get these promises. You, You were born into them, so we are born again into the promises of God through Christ. I cannot, in good conscience, tell you, man, you walk with God this semester, this calendar year, this thing, and everything's going to be thumbs up. I can't tell you that. I have dear friends who are walking with God who are losing loved ones as we speak. But what we have is the presence and the promises of God. So Jacob just has one more loss we need to look at. In verses... One through five, we get a a list of Esau's sons, Esau's his brother. Jacob and and Esau have have worked through their differences, and they've been living together, but but that won't last. Chapter 36, verse 6, it says, Then Esau took his wives and his sons and his daughters and all his household and his livestock and all his cattle and all his goods which he had acquired in the land of Canaan and went to another land away from his brother Jacob. For their property had become too great for them to live together. And the land where they sojourned could not sustain them because of their livestock. So Esau lived in the hill country of Seir. Esau is Edom. The rest of the chapter is Esau's family history, but that's really a fifth loss for Jacob. Man, he's bleeding. He's leaking relationships. What does he have? Have you been there? When life is just bleeding you off? Now that I'm the age I am, I look back on this experience. Maybe it wasn't as catastrophic as it seemed. But my junior year in college, I was bleeding relationships. I'd come to Texas A&M, and as a freshman and sophomore, had developed a whole network, a whole social structure, and life was good. In the beginning of my junior year, uh, one of those guys tragically died in a wreck. And his parents had become a second family to me. My folks had moved away, and, and obviously they weren't coming up for home football games anymore. And then my roommate got a girlfriend, and I never saw him, and, 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 and my whole social network fell apart on me there. And I remember the first, mentioned the first football game, and A&M football was a big deal like, like UNL, and everybody was going, and the RVs come in on Thursday for the game, and you know what? My junior year, first game, I didn't have anybody to go with. 30,000 people on the campus, but I felt really alone. And on top of that, for the first time, I began to struggle academically. I was a junior in chemical engineering. I'd gone into chemical engineering because I like chemistry, and I had a course that year called physical chemistry. And we would look at each other in the lecture and say, do you know what this guy's talking about? No, we don't. I had my first fluid mechanics class, and I think the class average was 54, and he said, hey, I'll flunk every one of you if I have to. Good to hear, good to know. I'm miserable. And, and I've been a Christian. I've been walking with God about 18 months. And in that time, I... I had been encouraged to uh, memorize a verse. And, and this one I memorized came out of Jeremiah 29, verse 11. 
And God says, for I know the plans I have for you. Uh, plans for welfare and not calamity to give you a future and a hope. And I was mad. I wasn't feeling it. I was leaking relationships. I was that balloon on the ground. You know, I look back at that verse and I understand now the context. I'd like to, us to look at that verse in context. Joe, if you could put it up there. Jeremiah, we'll start with 29 verse 10. Do we have verse, 20, verse 10 in there? Okay. Um, verse 10 talks about the fact that um, Israel was in um, captivity for 70 years, and God made a promise that you'll be in captivity for 70 years. They had been displaced. They were refugees living apart from God. Uh, then verse 11 is, is the verse I talked about, the, the plans that God has for them. And, and they've been separated from family. They've been separated from friends. Uh, verse 12 then said, says this, in this time you will call upon me and, and, and you'll pray to me and I, I will listen to you. Uh, go ahead. And, and you'll seek me and, 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 and you, when you search me with all your heart, you'll find me. And, and, and I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I realized that sometimes that these, these plans happen in, in, in the catastrophes, in the hard time. God says, I know it's hard. You've been separated. These people have been separated. They've been moved as a refugee. Um, and God says, I, I have a plan for you. Some of you are feeling that right now. You've been separated. And it's hard and it hurts. And in the heart and in the hurt, we come to God. God says, when that happens, uh, you'll seek me and, and, and you'll be found by me. And in, in my time, I, I'll bring you back to the land. So let me ask you right now, are, are you leaking relationship? And, and maybe it's not death. Maybe it's a good friend moved. A good friend found another group. Uh, some people that were your neighbors, they, they moved to another state. So people got busy. I remember coming back in 1999. We came back from Chile to, to Greeley, Colorado. And I, I was going to be on staff, church staff, with a guy I had roomed with. The guy had done his wedding, and our kids were three months apart. Uh, he just lived a mile away. And I thought, this is going to be awesome. It was good when I saw him, but I just didn't see him that much. People are busy. And we feel that. And it feels like the helium's out of our balloon. What do we have? We have the presence and the promises of God. That's what we have. Have you ever played Monopoly? If you don't know, it's a, it's a game, it's in a square, and you buy property, and you, try and, and you try and build your resources. And you're trying to finish the game with, with more resources, more money, more stuff than anybody else. I've played a number of times, and usually I'm on the wrong end of Monopoly. You ever been on the wrong end of Monopoly? Uh, here's what happens. You, you move by rolling the dice. Every time you roll the dice, you end up on somebody's property, and it's kind of like, hey, pay up. Pay up. Well, well I'm out of cash. Well, then, then you've got to mortgage your properties, and that gives you a little bit more cash, and you land on somebody's property and pay up. And, and slowly, you get bled dry. And you think, man, if I could just go to jail, that'd be the best place for me right now. <laughs> If I could find that land in jail, that might be the best thing, the only thing that would keep me from going. 
But you know, life can feel like that sometimes. Every move you make, you get bled dry. Something more gets taken from you. The good thing is we're, we're not stuck on the board like Monopoly. We can know Jesus. And there's a place we can go where we can find life. And it's the presence and promises of God. At some point, we'll leak relationships. Our hope is in the presence and the promises of God. Let me pray. Father in heaven, we're grateful um, for your presence and your, your, uh, your promises. Um, thanks that uh, you love us and you, you promise to be there with us. Pray in Christ's name. Amen.